Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. Market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here. I am your host as always on Game Changers and I have another fun and exciting episode for you. We've got Michael McNulty here, the founder and president of McNulty and Associates, and he is going to talk to us today about a subject I don't think we've ever talked about in the 60 odd episodes that we have up so far today. Um, We're going to be talking about price to win. So Michael, thanks for coming on the show today. Why don't you take a minute, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do over there. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Uh, Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so uh, my background is in engineering, frankly. Uh, My undergraduate and graduate uh, degrees are in engineering. I'm an electrical engineer and um, additional education in in business and that sort of thing. Uh, My background also includes a stint in the Army. I spent a few years in the Army as a military intelligence officer. And then I worked for several years in industry uh, before I started McNulty Associates in 2003. I worked at Motorola, Northrop, Task, Dynamics Research Corporation, uh, in various roles, engineering, program management, uh, then over onto the capture and, and growth side of these businesses. Um, I headed up business development for a group at Northrop, one at Task, and I was overall head of new business at uh, Dynamics Research Corporation. McNulty & Associates does uh, a number of things from strategic uh, support to clients down to tactical support, and in that area, which is what we're going to talk about today is price to win, we do quite a bit of work in competitive analysis and and price to win analysis, which I suppose we'll talk more about today. And what I do mostly uh, these days is strategy. I work the strategy on the deals uh, to help our clients win. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I I did read uh, up on your company a little bit and everything. I didn't catch that you were an Intel officer, so myself and Josh were both uh, Army Intel folks. I I joined the Army to travel the world and see all kind of interesting things. I traveled four hours from home and spent my entire career there. So uh, that's that's my <laughs> Army story there. So wonderful, the wonderful world of Fort Hood where I spent my whole career. So anyway, uh, you know, when I look at price to win, I, I think that's a really interesting topic. And I think a lot of people have a different uh, different perspectives on what they think in their mind, what this means. I, I, and I could think there's probably people listening who think price to win means I've got to come up with the lowest possible price, uh, you know, the least amount of margin without, you know, bleeding my company dry. I, I'm sure there are people listening that are thinking that. So I instead of just letting them 
come up with their own idea and their own definition. I'd like for you to tell our listeners, in your mind, what does price to, to win mean? How do you define that? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people have that uh, uh, view of, of it. Uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, these days, certainly, especially for services work, uh, the, the bid pricing is very competitive. But let's step back a second. And, you know, in my book, Price to Win Analysis is really a forecasting activity. So it's an activity that that forecasts and predicts your competitors' bidding behaviors and bid prices Mm. and actually how they'll likely score when they submit their proposal to the government for a given RFP. Uh, We feed that back to the capture team so they can leverage that information prior to bidding to improve their chances of winning. So it's like a crystal ball. If you had one, that'd be great, right? You could tell what your competitors were going to do and what they're going to bid and what their prices are going to be. So, but it's different from pricing. Pricing is an internal uh, function, uh, but the, and the pricing team leverages our estimate of the competitors in our forecast to inform the pricing. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about um, how low people have to go and, and that sort of thing as we go. But uh, there is a big distinction between programs that are complex that require a lot of, um, let's say, development uh, that the government might pay more for because it has a lot of value to them. Let's say it's a new radar technology that they need um, and, and it hasn't been developed yet and they're going to have to pay for that. So the, the, the advances in that and how much that costs, they're willing usually to pay a little bit more for that than they would for a services job, which is already being done somewhere by somebody. And now they're going to compete it and somebody new is going to win and they're just not going to pay a lot for it. They're not going to pay a lot more than they've been paying and maybe they're going to pay less. So all of that gets mixed into uh, us, uh, uh, you know, consulting with our clients and recommending what they do. Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating topic because out of everything government contracting related, I would say pricing is one of the most difficult aspects of bidding, if you will. Anytime you're talking to the government, you know, trying to come up with the right price is it's such a balance. It's, it's such a dance, if you will, where people are almost terrified if they don't know what they're doing. And if there's it's a bigger market where there are a lot of people going after something like I was looking at an RFP yesterday and just on the interested vendors tab, there were like 47 companies. And so even if half of them actually go forward with the RFP, you know, I'm thinking to myself, there's 20 something companies that right. I, I have to concern myself with and how they're going to price this. So if it's a really competitive situation, you know, those dollars and cents, you know, make a I mean, that could make or break the whole contract. And so I, I know it's a very touchy subject. So, you know, in your mind, why should companies do or build a, a price to win strategy? What are the, the benefits to, to all the people involved? Well, let's flip it around for a second. Let's imagine not looking at your competition. Let's imagine not thinking about your competitor's price, and you just go around and build your own price and hope for the best. That's probably not a great strategy. Right. So the idea in Price to Win is, you know, it simply makes sense to spend some time working, working on what your competitor will likely do on a given bid. Um, with price being such a major factor in, in bids these days, uh, performing an analysis on your competitors' likely bid prices, independent of your own, can pay tremendous benefits. 
And if it's done early enough and done properly, a good price to win analysis can greatly inform your capture team, your senior leadership team, and really improve your, your chances of winning. Um, from there, they can use that information in a good price to win, whether it's done internally or whether it's done externally like by a company like mine, uh, to help them uh, leverage that information, counter their competition, and hopefully get a W at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I, I like how you said that uh, right at the, the start of that question about how, you know, not looking at your, at your competition is just going and pricing things. Probably not a good idea because I, I think a lot of people who get into government contracting actually have a commercial side of, of their business. And on the commercial side of your business, you can actually do that. You can actually create a price that you're willing to charge and you can go out there and you can find people to pay it. And you don't have to worry about bids and different things. I mean, there are some companies that will compete sure. you uh, in that space, but oftentimes if somebody is sitting down and having a conversation with you, we find this all the time, you know, they're not going to compete what we're doing in the commercial space. That's just, that's just not happening. So it's a whole different animal when you're having to look at massive amounts sometimes of competition. And so I, I like the concept of you know, taking those things into consideration. And it is it is a mindset shift for people that have a, a, a heavy or big commercial side of their business, if you will. So the, an interesting perspective to take a look at that. So um, I, I know one of the things that if I'm a, a listener today and I'm tuned into this, this session here, one of the things I'm thinking about is what are some of the mechanics of price to win. So what are, what are the components of it? Um, you know, that I need to be thinking about. So like, like how do you, how do you go about doing it? Like what's involved with that? Well, let's, let's start with what you want out of it. You know, what you want out of it, uh, if we're going to forecast the competition and we're going to figure out what, uh, what they're going to end up bidding from a price standpoint and, uh, and how they're going to end up being scored, uh, when they, when they, submit their RFP. Let's think about that for a minute. So how do we get our arms around how they'll score on the non-priced items? Things like their technical score, past performance, management risk, all of that. And we get at that through our competitive analysis. So we have a very detailed competitive analysis and that's probably the, 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 the foundation for good price to win. You have to really drill into those competitors and understand what they bring to the table for past performance. What are their technical capabilities against the RFP and so on. So you can really get a good feel. Are they going to score blue or are they going to score yellow, if you will, uh, when they get scored for the non-priced items? Then we get to the price part. And the, 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 the real best-in-class approach today is, is a bottoms-up build of all of the uh, costs associated with your competitor, you know, bidding that particular job. All the labor they're going to need, their wrap rates, their fees, any bills of material, all of that rolled up in your labor's, in your uh, competitor's coordinate system. But let's not stop there because they want to win too, so they're going to game that, right? They're going to make adjustments in uh, various things. They might drop their head count. They may push, press down on their wrap rate. They may drop their fee depending on how important it is uh, for them. Uh, but if it's properly done, those, those two things coming together start to show you um, what uh, that, that your competitors are probably going to, how they're probably going to score, like an incumbent that's doing a good job somewhere is probably going to score pretty well on the non-priced items. If they put in a really good price, they're going to be tough to beat. So if you're going to beat that, you need to go into that looking, looking that with, a, with clear eyes and saying, okay, 
a good incumbent, good scores, low price. I've got to do better than that. So I've got to score well, and I've got to price very aggressively. So those are the components that really, uh, at a high level, build a price to win. The competitive analysis and the bottoms up pricing analysis for your competition to get a good snapshot of of what they're uh, probably going to probably going to score as. No, I, I like sense. that. You know, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I like that uh, that you explained it that way because. Again, I think sometimes when people are listening to a topic like this, they can, in their mind, think this is how you do it, and it's all about price. And even as I was, was thinking about it, I thought you were going to focus really heavily on, on the pricing side, but really taking in the whole picture, the whole RFP, how you're going to score, um, you know, that's a big deal. You know, looking, oh, yeah. looking at the whole thing, not just <clears throat> one piece, like not just looking at the price uh, is a very big deal. Yeah. Well, in fact, the very first, very, um, the, the biggest, most often question we get asked, however you say that, we get asked the most is, how much more can we charge than our competition and still win? Yeah. And that comes from a standpoint of, we're, we're doing something really great here. We have a great offering. We don't want to lowball the price because we're, you know, we, we have something to, to bring to the table. How much more can we uh, bid than the other guys and still win? And of course, the answer to that is, it depends. We do uh, good research uh, uh, into the government buying agency. Let's say it's at Homeland Security or TSA or something like that. And we'll research in there and figure out whether or not, usually looking at protest documents. And the results of those tell you, you know, you can see, you know, the scores and the grades that people got for the non-priced items and all that. And you can say, okay, well, in this particular case and in several cases, they actually did pay more for a better score you know, better technical scores and better management scores, they paid a little bit more. How much more was that? You know, we looked at one the other day and it was 10.9% on average across a bunch of projects. And then we look, might look at another one and they'll say, you know, even if you scored better on technical, they won't choose you. They just want uh, a, a, an acceptable offer and they'll take the lowest price, even if it's not called LPTA, even if it's best value. A lot of times they'll do that, right? And, and I know that is a, an issue that's out there as well, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that is a question that people have, too. You know, there are there's some rumblings that the government's shifting away from LPTA and being more focused on a best value type of approach. So how does that impact the price to win strategy? Yeah, it's real important. It comes up a lot. We talk about it a lot. We read about it a lot. Uh, and, and our experience is the government is shifting away from LPTA in many cases because they got burned. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean they, they don't want a very competitive bid price. Right. Uh, we believe that the budget follows risk. So let me explain that. Um, so in a complex program, like let's say the design of the next version of jammers that go on the F-18 aircraft, uh, it's a complex undertaking. Uh, uh, and that's more complex, let's say, than IT support services at a given Air Force, Army, or Navy base that are already happening, right? Right. Both are important, uh, but where's the government going to put its risk money? Clearly, they'd pay more for a better, less risky approach on a jammer bid. Uh, the jammer doesn't exist yet. Uh, the jammer requires advances in technologies that have not been invented. It's a mission-critical system. It's going to go in theater. So that makes it a good candidate for a best, for a best value um, uh, award. So when buying services, though, especially recompetes of services, like I mentioned, they're already provided today. The government's thinking more in terms of getting a good price. Uh, the work simply isn't risky. 
Right. It's being done. It's going to get done. Uh, so price is going to be really important there. And you really can't blame the government in that in that sense. I mean, it, it, on some level, they're just being a savvy buyer. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's like not not to make it sound simple like this, but if I was, you know, if I'm buying trash bags for my kitchen, you know, and I'm looking at you know what's out there, I may say, oh, well, it's three dollars less to buy this and it's it's you know it's also got the drawstring and the features i'm looking for you know and it's three dollars less why not get the generic one you know and then you get the generic one and you know maybe the first time you put some trash in and it busts all over the place you never buy that again but the odds are it's probably going to be very similar to what you have because you already understand that but you know again a very simple example there of hey it's it's trash bag how hard can it be Hey, it's a uh, a body that is filling a seat on a contract. How hard can that be? Yeah, uh, not given you have experience, right? Yeah, I agree with that. But so you, if you want to get off of competing just on price, obviously you need to bring something else to the table. You need to be bringing some 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 new tools, some new technologies. Maybe you have a way of decreasing headcount on the contract over time and saving the government money. That might be very attractive to them. Uh, so if you're bringing something to the table more than just uh, we're going to rebadge everybody, you know, that's right. right. That's a big differentiator. And then you're not competing just on price. So so that's uh, that's that's a good strategy, I think. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask that question, actually. How important do you feel um, in the price to win strategy? Is it to innovate, if you will, to come up with things other than especially in a recompete situation? Where, hey, we, we've been doing this, we want to continue doing this, we just now need to recompete it, um, and we're going to open it up to anybody. How important is that innovation where, like you said, we're, you know, we think we can do this smarter by putting this technology in, we'll be able to decrease headcount over time, we'll be able to introduce new technology, we'll be able to you know, slice the bread smarter than the last guy, if you will. How important is that innovation in the price to win strategy so that you get the biggest bang for your buck. Right. I mean, I, I, we're talking about price to win, but I spent a long time as a capture manager and that's really a capture manager question first, because that capture manager, he or she really needs to be in talking to the customer and shaping the deal. So the customer understands the value that your company is bringing to the table and, and why, why would they hire you? And why would you, you know, like you said, you're, you know, what do you bring into the table that really helps change the game? Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't they just stick with the incumbent and keep going forward? So that's up to the, um, up to the uh, uh, companies to do. But when we're doing price to win, we're looking for that. We're, we, we know, as everybody would know, that if somebody bids against an incumbent uh, who's doing a relatively good job, of course, we always hear, you know, the incumbent's terrible. They hate them and they're trying to get rid of them, right. of course. And then they they award to them again. And then they so choose them. We, yeah, there you go. Yeah, we let that go out the other ear. Yeah. So, so, but, but in reality, um, if you've got an entrenched incumbent and they're doing a relatively good job and you bid what they bid, you're going to lose. Yeah. So why would the government change? They're not going to change. So you're, you're going to have to... You know, uh, you're going to have to get a uh, get under that incumbent by bringing something else to the table, some advances in technology or better, more efficient approaches. Uh, and certainly price is going to be a, a big factor, especially if it's, as you say, something that's, you know, it's a fairly commoditized item, something like IT services. Um, uh, while important, uh, there are many companies that do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so talk to me a little bit about some of the common 
pitfalls, errors, gaps to avoid when I'm doing price to win? Yeah, the most, uh, I'm glad you asked that because the most common pitfall we see is in underestimating the competition. Whenever I hear things like, ah, well, the competition's really lousy, the customer doesn't like them, the, you know, they're, they're terrible and all that kind of good stuff, I, I, I know right away that somebody's not really taking that competitor seriously. Mm-hmm. And that is a dangerous thing to do because they are your competitor and they're there to win. So to ignore them or to write them off is, is usually the biggest first mistake. It's easy to do, right? I mean, we've right. all been, um, if you're an internal team, uh, every company's in a little bit of an echo chamber, right? You know, you're surrounded by others. You're working in a particular business area. You're proud of your work. You're proud of what you do. Uh, you think that what you do is, is the best, and you go about, about doing that, and you think it's the best approach, the winning approach. But it's reasonable to assume that one of your competitors is doing the exact same thing over in their shop, mm-hmm. and they're building a better mousetrap, or maybe they're hungrier for the business than you are. Yep. Uh, by not taking a hard look at the competition and their bidding strategies, uh, companies really can miss the boat. Um, the other big error can occur in not uh, applying proper gaming. I don't think we've talked about gaming at all yet. No. But gaming, gaming that's, those are the maneuvers that companies perform outside of simply pricing the job to win it. Uh, we like to talk in terms of gaming levers that companies can pull. Uh, levers include things like dropping headcount on the deal or building in efficiencies or juniorizing the workforce or dropping their indirect rates and so forth. Some sort of maneuver besides just pricing and submitting the bid. And it's, it's one thing to simply you know, do that, price and submit it. It's quite another to price the job and then apply multiple gaming maneuvers to drive the price down to win. And let's not confuse winning with executing. Okay, winning is winning the bid up against what's in the RFP and so on and so forth. And you might have a plan over time as a bidder to basically return, you know, get some of your uh, profit back, for instance, that you're not going to get on the front end of the deal, but you're going to get it downstream. So that's execution. So winning and execution are different things. And we have to keep those straight in our minds when we're when we're helping clients bid. Yeah, no, that that is some great advice there. And you know, I, I sit on different panels for entrepreneurs and I, I teach different boot camp classes around the country for like local chambers of commerce and things like that. And I'm always on the judging for the entrepreneur business plans. And uh-huh. it, and so I, I look at this from commercials per- perspective and government perspective. They always underestimate the competition. Sure. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a room reviewing someone's plan, whether whether it's a government contractor or whether it's a regular commercial company, and I ask about the competition, and they say this: there is none. There's no comp- like like so. You're telling me there's <clears throat> no one that does what you do. Well, they don't. There's no one that does it like we do. So there's no one <laughs> who does what right. you do. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Really. It, Think of something completely unique. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I haven't seen a new idea in years, years since I've seen like a completely fresh new idea. And and I always tell people it's it's not that um, not to discount what you're doing, but there, like you said, there are other people. And if things work properly in the universe, if you will, someone's going to do better than you at some point, and it's your job to reinvent yourself or to make your company better. Like we should always be trying to get better. That means somebody out there is catching up and then we've got to, you know, everybody. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the way it is. And, and just people don't get that. They think, oh, everybody else is horrible. Our way of doing things is the only way to do it. It's the only possible way that any company would ever want. And yeah. they lose. And they lose yeah. over and over and over again because they put those blinders on and they think their way is the only way. And that the competition is, I mean, I'll say it this way, the, the competition's worthless. They're, they're worthless. They're no good. You know, they, they don't deserve to be in a category with us. And I know I'm kind of harping on that one a little bit as a soapbox, but that's a big one I see. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because sure. completely ignoring the competition it, is, is such a foolish thought when, as we've said, you know, there's an incumbent. Guess what? Yeah. Somebody has won this before. Yeah. <laughs> you and know, on top of that, they're not ignoring you. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. They're, they're, on you. they're probably very aware. And, and they're going to make sure they're, they're going to stay in that winner's circle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's a very, very big deal. So so here's a thought that I that I have. If, if I'm thinking about this and I am, let's say um, I'm a plumbing company. I'm just going to pick something at random. I'm a plumbing company. That's what we do mainly. I, I'm not really focused on some of these techniques and strategies. I'm going to go hire somebody to help me with price to win. So why would somebody do that? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I know you guys do that. Um, t tell me why I would go hire somebody to do this and kind of what the benefits are to bringing in a company to actually help me on this price to win strategy. Right. Well, like you said, there's, there's, there's really um, kind of two reasons that companies hire an outside price to win firm. Uh, one is, is simply because they don't do it. They don't have a capacity to do it. They don't have a way of doing that. It's a complex undertaking and it takes resources. Uh, and so that's the first reason. And the other reason is that they want uh, an independent analysis. Very hard to do independent analysis of, your, of yourself, right? So best in class price to win is entirely independent. It's focused on your competition and it doesn't rely on uh, leveraging your company's approach. So in other words, an analyst that's doing price to win analysis looking at your competitors is not looking at your approach at all. They're only looking at the competitor's approach so they can focus on on their on, on what they're and they're going to feed that back to you. And that's tremendously valuable to you, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you've got an independent analysis uh, completely formed at all by the idea that you might have or somebody might have that you know, the competitors are lousy or they have, they're going to score poorly or the customer doesn't like them. If there's no indication of that, then, you know, that's not really going to be on the table. And so now you've got a completely independent analysis of your competitors' likely approach to the deal, their likely strategies, their likely pricing, and, you know, and, they're, and, 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 and now you have that to look at and say, oh, gee, criminy, I was going to be, I would have been higher than that. I would have been a lot higher than that. Mm. And the other thing is you can go back and forth with the price to win analyst and talk to them and say, okay, look at Clint six. Your number is 6.2 million. Why? Tell me that again. Tell me why you got to that number again, because uh, you know, it may be quite a bit lower than the internal folks. And, and there may be, and hopefully there's some nuggets in there that cause the price to win team to say, well, we would bid it right down here and it'd be compliant. Uh, uh, and, and that ends up being a lot lower and it's just things that nobody just didn't happen to think of it, you know? Right. So you get that independent, uh, independent view fed back. And if it's done right, it's done in the coordinate system of the government's pricing sheets. So the clean structures that uh, you have to turn in your cost volume, it's line for line. It's the exact sheets. 
So you can, you know, kick the PTW guys out and sit down in your own conference room and compare the clin structures and say, oh, okay, that's, you know, now I can leverage that and realize, you know, I was going to be 20% higher than my competition. Right. And so that problem can be solved. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about that, one of the things that it sounds to me like would be really, really valuable, especially if this is early on, or let's say we've struggled to win some contracts, like right. let's say you've had a handful of losses, it would be really good to have this just to figure out what are other people doing in the market? How far are we off from that? Because even if your team or the price to win team doesn't look at your stuff, you will. So you'll have right. your information and you'll be able to look at what the price to win team gives you versus what you've been doing and go, oh, wow, here's some big gaps. Here's some gaps that we have in what we've been doing in our process, what we've been doing to deliver this. I, you know, I can see eight things um, that are just glaringly obvious why we're losing contracts. So I, I can sure. see even if somebody did this just once, they would be able to look at their processes and procedures and make a lot of internal changes for the next round to make them just a smarter company going after contracts in the future. So, I mean, that that's what I, I, I'm, you know, when people talk to me all the time, I'm like, Hey, I'm all about optimization. And so I'm looking for the yeah. optimization strategy right. here in what you're talking about. And that's what I saw. That is the game changer for me of being able to optimize what I'm doing so that from now on, we're just doing it better. We're doing it smarter. And so I, I, I really like that. So um, a couple things here before we start to wrap up. One is I I know people that are listening are probably thinking, well, how how does a third party price this? And without getting into that, because I know it's super complex, some people are thinking, hey, is it going to be a flat fee? Is it going to be based on a portion of the contract? How do most companies who do this how do they price it? Again, I know every company is unique, so we don't need to talk exact prices. But how do how do third parties who do this type of service price it? Yeah, I, I don't frankly know how uh, all the companies price it, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about us. Um, we do uh, quite a number of price-to-win engagements a year and have for many, many years. So some years ago, we went to a fixed price offering, which is very uh uh, attractive to our customers because they know they're not going to be charged more than that. And, um, and normally our, our quotes involve three pieces. Uh, they involve a, the competitive assessment that I talked about and uh, a top-down analysis, which we haven't talked about, which is really looking at the historical spending on an existing program and projecting it forward and think, I mean, from the government standpoint, what do they think it should cost? to have this done and then that bottoms up analysis that we talked about you know pricing all the pieces uh, and then those three pieces the competitive analysis the top-down analysis and the bottoms up analysis those are usually priced uh, for us as one uh, you know deliverable uh, price and and the way you get to that of course is you start to look at the complexity of the deal so if we're going to do a uh, hundred person butts and seats job at hanscom air force base where the government tells you exactly how many people they tell you what labor categories they tell you years of experience and certifications and clearances and all that kind of good stuff now that's a different deal than we need to figure out how to put a radar on a pod on an F-18, right? Okay. That's a whole different ball game. That's when my engineers and I are really in, you know, that, that takes a lot more work. So it's just a matter of that. It's a matter of, um, you know, how complex is the work that we at McNulty and Associates have to do our competitive analysts and everybody up through the price to win leads 
uh, and that that's that's then that scales the job. So good. good. I think it's good for people to hear that and and to kind of understand how that's priced. So last question here, and maybe you can wrap this into your final thoughts: is sure. what are some of the common tools and resources that companies should use? Uh, to do an accurate price to win. So that question, along with any final thoughts you got. Sure. Yeah. So tools, uh, tools are super duper important. Um, company a lot of need, they need a lot of tools, a tool, a full tool shed of tools. Um, now they're going to need tools to do direct labor rate estimates. Those tools usually come from the HR, uh, world, uh, things like salary.com, ERI, uh, those those are uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, data. Those are those are tools related to direct labor. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about wrap rates, but wrap rates are a real mystery in price to win from a, uh, uh, analysis because you how do you figure out your competitors' wrap rates? Their overhead, their GNA, their fringe benefits. Those are those are you know uh, trade secrets. They're 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 confidential, proprietary. You're not going to find them on the internet. So you, you need to find a way to get that through uh, external non-proprietary analysis. We have a tool that we use to do that. So that's a, an item that needs to get dealt with. There's tools to estimate workload for given activities. Let's take a help desk, for example. How many people does it take to man a tier zero, tier one, tier two help desk for a large IT environment with 125,000 users? There's tools to help figure that out. Um, usually some sort of IT tool like SEER or price, or uh, government economics, uh, will use in, in something like that. Likewise, there's tools for estimating the workload associated with building software, upgrading software, maintaining it, and so on. You need the people also, speaking of resources, you need the people that are experts with those tools. You can't drag somebody that's really good in Excel and accounting down the hall to price to win. That won't work. Right. I mean, I'm pretty good with a hammer, but you do not want me remodeling your kitchen, right? right. You need to know what you're doing. And uh, and before that, if the deal involves a solution, you're going to need engineers, highly experienced solution architects that can take the government RFP and develop a solution that meets all the requirements in the RFP and also, like I said before, do that in the competitor's coordinate system as if they are the competition. And then workload estimates need to be made. And so that's a, that's a suite of tools for an engineering development job. We use SEER. We use SEER IT, SEER SEM, uh, SEER for hardware to figure out what it will take to do that. Those are the engineering hours, the hardware and software bills, material, and so on uh, that need to be priced and gained. Um, and, and the people leading the PTW, those are the other resources you're going to need. You're going to need people uh, uh, that are experts in pulling all that together into a, a coherent gamed pricing package that accurately forecasts your competition. Uh, it's not a trivial undertaking. It really isn't. It can be done in a lot of our, a lot of our uh, clients both have internal teams and they have external teams. Um, you know, most of the, of the larger firms, it's part of their um, business acquisition policy. So as they get to their gate reviews, uh, the bid decision, uh, uh, you know, pricing reviews and so on, the senior leadership is expecting to see a price to win. That's one of the slides or several of the slides that are going to come up. And if it's not there, that's going to be a problem. Hmm. Um, so that's uh, a little bit on tools. And uh, yeah, we're, we're more than happy to talk with companies about it. Um, I, I get a, the, only, the one thing I, I, I would ask is, is that companies start early, you know, uh, I, I got a call a couple of days ago. Somebody had an RFP. I'd never talked to them before. They had an RFP in their hands. And that's just, it's too late. 
It's, yeah. it's too late. I have to pass on those. Yeah. So um, we really try to start early with with customers because you can bet your competition is starting early. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing I always tell people about RFPs. You know, if, if the first time you heard about us when the RFP dropped, you probably, you're just wasting your time anyway. You know, that that's just it's way too late. Because, you know, most of these things have a, a two-week or 30-day turnaround. You know, and, and who in their right mind can write a 100-page or whatever it is RFP in two weeks? You, you just can't well, do it. Well, but better than that, your competition's been shaping yeah. that RFP for two years, and now you're writing to their shaping. Yeah, exactly. And so... You know, you should have been in this game a lot longer. And so that's where you just have to be smart and pass on that and focus on the next one. And so, you know, there's so many RFPs that I hear about, the big ones, the really big fish that are out there. You know it's coming, you know, six months, a year or longer. Maybe two years. Maybe two years. There's one that we actually won. Uh, We're on on a big contract right now for the VA. And the RFP date, they're like, hey, we're going to drop it on this date. That date moved for a year and a half. Yeah. It kept moving. So, we, I mean, we knew it was coming for a year and a half. Then it finally dropped. Like, hey, the award's coming out. That moved for <laughs> six, 18 months. You yeah. know? So, I mean, these, the, you've got to be in the game really, really early. You know, I, I do. I love that piece of advice. I, I think that's very important for people. So, um, so thanks for being on the show today. I think this is a I lot like of really it. good stuff. Um, you know, if anybody wants to contact Mike, all his contact information will be on the website. Go to email him, call him, whatever it is you need to do. But again, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure we need to come on and drill down deeper into some of these areas in another episode at some point. Happy to do it anytime. Sounds good. Well, thank you again. Before we take off today, I want to ask everyone a simple question. Are you feeling stuck in your government business? Do you feel like you should be winning a lot more contracts, but just can't figure out how to bust through to the next level? Do you want to accelerate your results and hit your goals faster? Does that describe you at all? If so, I have a very special offer for all of our listeners today. Visit us at rsmfederal.com slash breakthrough coaching where you can schedule your very own business breakthrough session with me you're going to walk away from the session with three things a copy of the award-winning government sales manual at least three strategies to supercharge your business and some specific answers to your biggest challenges that are out there now normally these sessions run about 495 dollars but for a limited time for our podcast listeners only you can schedule this session at no cost to you so that's zero cost to schedule a session with me simply visit rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching and you'll be able to fill out an application. So scroll all the way to the bottom of that page, fill out an application that'll come directly to me. Then I'll reach out to you. We'll get our, our session scheduled and we'll walk through some of the challenges that you're having, whether it's you know how to grow the business, your goal setting, um, specific challenges you're having in government. This doesn't have to be just about specific to growing any business, but you're going to walk away from the session, not only understanding how to approach the government from a better perspective, but you're going to walk away with a lot of confidence on what you need to do, what next steps you need to take to supercharge your government business so you can take the next several months, the next several years to a whole new level. So again, visit us at rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching. 
you can uh, get an overview of what Breakthrough Coaching is all about. Scroll all the way to the bottom, fill out the application that'll come to me, and then I'll schedule your session for you. And last but not least, let me take a moment here. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We really appreciate your support. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. And be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.